clean water, clean air, green trees, blue skies, organic blueberries, soy milk, earth tones, echinacea, Ernie Velveeta, the natural choice for Congress. Paid for by Ernie Velveeta for Congress. Hello? Hey, it looks like Harold Flumlasky has told another Whopper in his latest attack ad. Oh, no. Uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm just eating now, so can you call me back in like 10 minutes? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Paid for by Velveeta for Congress? Hello? Hey, it looks like Harold Flemlasky has told another Whopper in his latest attack ad. Oh, no. Here we go again. Yeah, he says Ernie Velveeta's blocking new solar projects. Really? No. He's talking about that he planted some new arborvitaes in his backyard, which would block the sun if there happened to be solar panels there. But there never were. Wow, that's amazing. I sure hope nothing happens to Harold Flemlasky's daughter at camp next week. Yeah, I think... Wait. What? Paid for by Ernie Velveeta for Congress. It's time for your green tips of the day from congressional candidate Ernie Velveeta. Do what you can to lower your carbon footprint, change to more energy-efficient light bulbs, turn off your computer when you're not using it, or mysteriously stop breathing. A dead person has no carbon footprint. Right, Harold Plimlasky? Paid for by Velveeta for Congress. Apparently, some citizens are reacting poorly to both Ernie Velveeta and Harold Flemlasky's negative ads. It seems that real people want to actually have honest information about their candidates and don't want people throwing insults and misleading information at each other. And while the public says this over and over again, we still continue to ignore it. Perhaps that's why neither Flemlasky or Velveeta are going to win this election and some third-party candidate has 94% of the vote. Perhaps we were hurt by the fact that because of our ads, people were so turned off that only 2% of eligible voters actually showed up. In conclusion, we now know that both Flemlasky and Velveeta are good Americans, just caught up in the heated debate fueled by their passion to make America a better place. Flemlasky, Velveeta, good people. Except for the fact that Velveeta is a raging alcoholic. Flemlasky's an adulterer. So is Velveeta. He slept with your wife. Well, at least he isn't infested with syphilis. Velveeta stole from some blind beggar last week. So did Flemlasky. And then he urinated on his... People are people who are sick of political crap. Stu does America. Blaze.tv.com slash midterms. The code is red wave for 30 bucks off. We've got our big election night coverage coming up tomorrow night. We're going to get preempted tomorrow night for coverage that I'm actually on, which is kind of weird, but... It's what happens on election night. So make sure to tune in and check that out uh, on YouTube after like midnight or so. The Blaze TV coverage will end. We'll go over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash America for extra coverage into the wee hours of the morning for as long as I can possibly last. We'll check that out tomorrow. So make sure you're there. Go to the YouTube channel now and subscribe and subscribe to Blaze TV. Election day is tomorrow, boys and girls. So we will see if we can nail some of these uh, races. Hopefully we can do it. I mean, we nailed the Flemlasky Velveeta race exactly, 100% right. Uh, and, of course, just about two years ago, I stood right here in this particular position in front of this exact chalkboard and gave you 
terrible, terrible news that I thought that Joe Biden was going to win the election. Yeah, I know. It sucked. Uh, 306 to 232 was our final prediction, and that was the actual result. Uh, now, one thing I can promise you this election is that's definitely not going to happen again. I will not get all of these races right. I will not get the final number right. There's no way any of that's going to happen again. I'm just going to be here and root for the good guys uh, on, in this particular election. But I am going to give you the predictions anyway and hope for the best. There's been a lot of people who have come on and told you really optimistic things. Some people are more pessimistic, particularly in the mainstream media. Where should we be looking for this thing to wind up? We're going to do our best. Now, uh, I, 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 was, I saw this tweet today by Nathaniel Rakich. He's uh, one of the election experts over at 538. He says he's talking about uh, people trying to give their final election results at a couple of the other prediction agencies. And he said, these guys do great work, but I'm not a fan of the pushing your toss-ups thing. The goal isn't to make picks. It's to give people a sense of where each race stands and to have uncertainty, uncertainty accordingly. Now, that, of course, is the responsible way to look at elections. Polls don't tell you specifics. What they tell you are generalities. And they don't tell you exactly how many calories you're going to have in your dinner, but they might tell you what's for dinner. It's going to give you a generality of what's coming up. We, for this reason, we can put a lot of categories pretty confidently in the likely sides of this, but a bunch of them are going to sit right in the middle. We're going to get to those and see which ones uh, are which. And then we're going to do the completely irresponsible thing and move them all out of our toss-up area and into the categories because, hey, the election's tomorrow and, you know, we just we want to make sure we have our predictions down. What are we going to do? Wait till after? We could have perfect predictions if we waited till after the elections, but it's a lot more fun to try it beforehand. So we're going to start that up with the Senate coming up next. got this letter in. I love Genucel. Yes, I struggled to find a product that didn't irritate my skin. This is the only one I've been able to use without problems. Not only do I love it, but my skin feels like velvet. Mm, love, love, love Genucel. That's Carmen from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, who fell in love with Genucel skincare. It's the best in skincare. Of course she fell in love with it. And now from now till Thanksgiving, you can treat yourself to Genucel's most popular package at 70% off at Genucel.com now. Treat yourself to uh, the only skincare products you'll ever need. A great gift as well for anyone that you love, or even if you just kind of don't even like them that much, but you just want them to shut up. Genucel's perfect for that too. Right now, every most popular package order includes Genucel's acid correcting serum. That's free. Genucel's products delight men and women alike, and I suppose many of the other dozens of genders, with inspiring results correcting their daily skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawline, facial redness, and even those annoying bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, GenuCell guarantees results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Order at GenuCell.com slash stew. Your most popular package includes a holiday gift set plus free express shipping. GenuCell.com slash stew. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash stew. Check it out now. All right, it's time for our final Senate picks for 2022. I will tell you this was a difficult process for me because usually I go through these things and expect really bad news. I really had to keep checking myself because some of these races are actually turning out the way I want them to turn out, which I'm not you know, I'm not familiar with that whole process. So this is a little weird. I did my best to go through this. It was a tough one, though. I will say there's a lot of races that could go either way. And we're just going to go through and stick our nose out and pick them and see what happens. That's the way this thing works. All right. So if you've never seen one of these before, we've got the uh, Democrats and the Republicans on each side. 
And the, the state of the Senate coming into these races is 36 to 29 Democrats with the lead. Those are races that are not up uh, for election this particular cycle. So we go through all the other races and we'll go through some of these quickly here. We'll start with the likely Democrats. These we're pretty sure are going to go this way. Uh, I don't think we've ever missed one in the likely category. So that's about how certain we are. California, uh, Hawaii. I'm going to spend too much time on each individual race. Illinois is going likely Democrat. We'll go Maryland as well there. New York, yeah, we're going to have to deal with Chuck Schumer again for another six years. Oregon as well. Vermont and Connecticut. Some people have Connecticut in a leaning category. I do not think that one's going to come through, unfortunately, uh, for Republicans this time. The uh, total there in the likely Democratic uh, section is eight, eight races right there. All right, over to the likely Republican. We got a bunch here to go through, so let's do it now. We start with Alabama. And we've got Arkansas. We've got Idaho for those three. Then Indiana, Kansas, and Kentucky. Rand Paul back in the Senate. Louisiana, South Carolina, Tim Scott, South Dakota, then North Dakota, all. The Dakotas. Mm -hmm. That's right. Oklahoma and Oklahoma. All the Oklahomas. Uh, and then uh, Missouri, which actually started out as sort of a swingier state. Initially, that was supposed to be pretty close. Eric Schmidt looks like he's got a nice lead there. Iowa. A couple polls showed Grassley uh, in that race relatively tight. I never honestly believed that, but that was... Uh, that was what the polls were telling us for a time. That seems to have evaporated now. It looks like Grassley will win pretty easily. And finally, Florida and Marco Rubio, which that race was relatively close for a while. Val Demings is a highly thought of Democratic challenger, but just not going to be enough in Florida in a big year for Republicans in Florida. That gets us up to 15 likely Republicans and this is where it gets interesting, right? We're at uh, 44, 44. I don't know if you're a mathematician, but that's where we are. 44, 44. All the races now exist. There's nothing left in this toss-up category now. So we're going to go back and forth here and see what we get. We're going to start out with... Let me go to the top. For, start with, uh, with one that I think a lot of people on the Republican side that are looking for a Republican wave are putting in the red column. I have not been able to get myself there. And it's Colorado. Colorado, of course, uh, O'Day versus Bennett. Bennett is really a boring replacement level Democrat, but he's got a really uh, popular governor that's going to bring him across the finish line, I think. Uh, so we start there with a bit of bad news. But we go over to now the Republican leaner side, and we're going to give you a couple here. We're going to give you uh, Alaska, and we're going to give you Utah. Now, both of these are not exactly surprises, uh, mainly because... They're weird races. Alaska, of course, has the ranked choice voting system, going to be a Republican. Uh, but I, and I think, unfortunately, it's probably going to be Murkowski. We will see on that. We're not going to know probably for weeks. Utah is Mike Lee versus Evan McMullen, uh, an independent. And in that particular race, uh, you know, we have a, uh, a strange race, but Mike Lee's going to win that one, we believe. Now, we also are going to add to this one Wisconsin. Wisconsin on the Republican side as well. Ron Johnson. It's pretty close. There's some polling late in the race that shows this race razor tight. But as we've seen with Wisconsin in particular, maybe the worst state polling over the past few cycles. And we think that one's going to go uh, with the Republicans. Let's do another uh, Democratic state. This one leaning Democrat is 
Washington. Yes, another one that I would really like to see go the other way. Patty Murphy, Patty Murray, again, replacement level, sort of a terrible generic Democrat votes with Biden all the time. Tiffany Smiley's put a really good race together and made this very close. I really wanted to give this one to the Republicans. I really did. I will tell you. But end of the day, I'm going to call this one for the Democrats, but it's going to be a lot closer than a typical election would be in Washington. Look, if you're starting to pick these off, you're starting to look at really exciting things for the uh, Republicans. But Colorado, Washington to the Democrats in pretty close races. Let's go over to uh, the Republican side and we're going to go with, let's see, where are we going to go next? Okay, Ohio with J.D. Vance. Uh, again, a race that was basically a pure toss-up in the summer. J.D. Vance has not been able to keep up by any means with the governor there, Mike DeWine, but for whatever reason, that race has remained close. And honestly, with Tim Ryan, I don't really get it. Like, I, don't, I don't see it. He's trying to act as if he's this, I'm a moderate and you can trust me. Well, I don't trust you at all. Uh, so, but that's just me. I mean, that's just me speaking. Uh, next up, we have North Carolina. Ted Budd is the candidate there. And uh, he is, uh, looks like he's going to, to win this race by, I think, mid-single digits, maybe four or five points in that general vicinity. That would be a good result in a very purple state. And kind of what you'd expect from a off-year midterm election with an unpopular president. You'd be able to hold states like Ohio and North Carolina without too, too much trouble. I think that's how it's going to end up tomorrow. And we're going to put on the board as well... Georgia. Yes, Georgia goes to the Republicans. Georgia to the Republicans is a bit of a uh, scary thing, right? I mean, a lot of people thought with Herschel Walker coming down the stretch, has all these allegations against him, really just a bump in the road, didn't seem to do much of anything. I think with the fundamentals of the state and the way this has trended, Walker has done enough to get this state to the Republican side. And I beg of you, if you're in Georgia, we all have our bad nights. We all have done things that we regret. You can overcome your voting for Raphael Warnock. It doesn't have to be what defines you. You don't have to put this man and inflict him on us once again. We've all had the, you know, it's like the, uh, it's like the guy who goes out on his, on his, his bachelor party, like in, what was the, what was the movie, um, Hangover, The Hangover. They go to Vegas and they, have, they do all sorts of drugs. They forget everything. Guy gets a tattoo on his face. You don't have to let that define you. At the end of the day, I mean, I think that guy wound up with a tattoo on his face and lost all of his teeth and wound up now no longer staying with his uh, fiance. But whatever. Long story short, just vote for Herschel Walker. OK, next up. Um, let's see. Because you see here what we have is we have. Let me mix these up. Make it exciting. What we have right now is uh, 29 plus 15, 44 plus 650. So we're at 50 right now for the Republicans. They only need one more seat. So next up, I'm going to give you one more seat. And that seat is New Hampshire. This was right at my line. New Hampshire is right at my line. Nevada. Arizona. Pennsylvania. I did that backwards, but those are the four states we have left. They're in the middle. We've got to move them out of the toss-up category. We can't leave them there. It's the day before the election. What do we do with these four states? Let me start with New Hampshire. Had a really tough time with this one. Don Bolduc's on a really good race. Uh, he has, was tossed aside, uh, had no chance to win this particular race at the beginning. He was down by 11, 12, 13 points. Everyone said it was over. Money was not coming in from the big donors. And then that race started to tighten. And then it tightened a little more. And then it tightened a little bit more. And now we are basically 
had a toss-up. And I went back and forth on this one several times. But in the end, I decided to give New Hampshire, I'm sorry, to the Democrats. Yes, I think it's going to be very, very close. And I will not be surprised in the least if that's wrong. But I have a very tight win for Maggie Hassan holding on to power in New Hampshire, leaving us with three races left. Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. Next up, we go to Nevada. Adam Laxalt against uh, Cortez Masto. Cortez Masto, an incumbent, a state that went uh, to the left. It's a purplish state, but it's really sort of leaning blue if you had to signify one or the other. This is a very tight one. Again, I think it could go either way. We're in this, we're in this area now. Again, I was saying before, we're going to take everything out of the toss-up range. That's not really the responsible thing to do. We're just, these are tight races. The polls are telling us it's tight. The fundamentals tell us it's tight. The, the national climate tells us it's tight. But in this case, I'm going to give Nevada and Adam Laxalt the seat to the Republicans. The 51st seat, that grants control of the Senate to the Republican Party. Next up, Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. Dr. Oz. We've gone back and forth on this over and over and over again. Late polling showed a couple of good results for John Fetterman. I don't understand how anyone could vote for this man. He can't even speak. It's a basic function of what you need to do to be out there and and do a job. Like I was thinking about this the other day. He had this clip. I wish I wish should have sent it and we could have played it. But he said something to the effect of I'm running on Roe versus Wade. And that's why I want I support the demise of Roe versus Wade. What the hell does that mean? What, what, what side of that issue are you on? We can all sit here and guess that he's, you know, super, a big super fan of killing babies and everything. But like when you're a senator, you're supposed to be able to say these things so that people know what you're talking about. Right. Well, this is a very close race. And the Democrats have run an incredible operation. there, basically running a campaign without a candidate, which is incredible. But I'm going to give this one. Instead, to Dr. Ross, I just I will be honest with you looking. I ran my big spreadsheets. I did all the work. It came down to being so close. My gut just tells me there's enough people in the middle in Pennsylvania that are not locked into an ideology that look at these two candidates and say, look, I don't know what I think about Dr. Oz. I I don't know. But the other guy, he can't even speak. He can't even do the job. I can't have him. So. We give that one to Pennsylvania, leaving us with or Pennsylvania to the Republicans. Last one, Arizona. This was the last one I placed as I was going through this. And I've been going back and forth on this race for a while. Uh, there are several races on this board. Pennsylvania is one of them. Uh, New Hampshire is sort of one of them as, w- as well, where Republicans made huge, huge moves and changed the momentum of the race and moved the polls by double digits and then got right up to about even and just stopped. And the polls sat there, just stopped. Right around even, back and forth, over and over and again. It's really a frustrating thing. If that momentum would have carried through in the polls, I'd be a lot more confident in giving some of these races to Republicans. On the other hand, Democrats have a lot working against them. They have a terrible president. They have a terrible economy. They have a terrible situation that they're trying to essentially overcome. This is a difficult task for any candidate, even if it's a good one. And in Arizona, you, uh, you have Mark Kelly. Now, Mark Kelly, I don't think he's a good candidate. I don't think he's been a good senator. But what I will say about him is he has, a, uh, he has two things going for him. Uh, somewhat similar to what we, we have in Ohio, although it's just a diff- more difficult state for Tim Ryan. You have two things. 
One, you have a guy with a, with a pretty large profile, a guy that's well-known in the state. He's got the whole astronaut thing. We know the really terrible things that happened with his family. We all know that situation. There's a warm part in the hearts of people in Arizona for this guy for reasons outside of his job performance. Uh, okay, that's one. Number two, he's attempted to run a race convincing the people of Arizona he's a moderate. But I, I, I ask the people of Arizona, when there was a big bill to be voted on, where was Mark Kelly? We know where Kirsten Cinema was. Kirsten Cinema was putting all sorts of roadblocks in the way for Democrats to pass five or six trillion dollars of spending it. Now, eventually she gave in. She was a Democrat. She's what you expected. But all of those votes, they only had 50 votes. You only needed one person to overturn all of those votes. And you never even heard Mark Kelly's name. You'd never, ever heard Mark Kelly as even one of the people who was in the room making the argument, hey, guys, maybe we should slow down a little bit on this. He was never, ever there. He is not some guy who's going to push back against his party. That's just not the way this is going to work. Mark Kelly is Joe Biden. Mark Kelly is Chuck Schumer. He's every Democrat. He's a replacement level guy that goes in there and votes dutifully every single way that Joe Biden tells him to vote. That's who the guy is in the Senate. And that's why I'm going to go with a little renegade spirit here and hope for Blake Masters to take Arizona in a very close race. Uh, we will see. We're going to go to the governors here in just a second, but we will see if we can get the Republican candidates over the board in Arizona. So our close races, Colorado, Washington, New Hampshire, go to the Democrats. I mean, look, these close, you got nine over here, nine, nine states leaning Republican, only three leaning Democrat. So how does the control work out? There's a lot of people out there with fancy calculators that were able to figure this out before. I'm going to give it to you. But that gives you the final balance, 47 Democrats. And on the Republican side, 53 Republicans. Now, you will find many more optimistic takes on conservative media than this. You'll hear 55. You'll hear 56. You'll hear 57. Would love that. I would love for that to be true. I honestly went back and forth a bunch of times between 52 and 53. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance they get control here, but it's going to be tight. We're going to be on the edge of our seats during Blaze TV's election coverage. BlazeTV.com slash midterms. Uh, the promo code is RedWave to save 30 bucks, and then we'll be on after that for late night into the early morning coverage on YouTube.com slash America. We move on to the governors next. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it could be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right real estate agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investments. And that's a lot of responsibility. You need an agent that's going to be able to help you through a very difficult process. That's why I always recommend realestateagentsitrust.com. They work with the best agents in every market. A lot of times people who are mediocre agents go to them and they say, hey, I'd like to be on realestateagentsitrust.com. I'd like to get some more business from good people. And then uh, realestateagentsitrust.com says, uh, we looked at your records and uh, not quite up to snuff. So sorry. Um, keep working and come back to us later. That's what realestateagentsitrust.com does. They sift through the agents for you to get you the best experience possible. Go there now. Get the best agent in your area at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. 
All right, let's do governors. Obviously, a little bit different here as the control of the nation. There's no number to hit as far as that goes. That doesn't really matter, but it matters for you quite a bit if you're in one of these states. And we'll keep track of the count anyway, just for fun. Fourteen governors are not up for reelection this particular cycle. And so six of them are Democrats. Eight of them are Republicans. Let's look at the other categories, starting with the likely Democratic states. And there's a few of them. We start with uh, Hawaii. No surprise there. Very easy to get control of Hawaii if you happen to be a Democrat. Rhode Island, looking that way as well. There's some interesting house races in Rhode Island, however. Uh, Colorado is another one. Jared Polis is a very popular uh, governor in in Colorado. Had a a sort of moderate-ish approach to COVID compared to some of the other Democrats, and that served him pretty well. Massachusetts, uh, Maryland. Those two are interesting for the fact that they're both they both were Republicans, you know, moderate Republicans, sort of liberal Republicans, but Republicans nonetheless. And then when they leave, easy pickups for two Democrats in their governor states, uh, gubernatorial races. Uh, then you have uh, Connecticut as well. That's going to go, unfortunately, back to Ned Lamont, who's absolutely terrible. Uh, Illinois, uh, J.D. Pritzker, uh, the big uh, very, very rich, very, very wealthy potential 2024 candidate. We'll see about that. And, of course, the other guy who is basically a 2024 candidate already is Gavin Newsom. Uh, that gives you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, eight likely Democratic states as we move over to the other side and likely Republicans for governor. Got a bunch of these. Get ready. We're going to start it off with Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, from press secretary to the governor of Arkansas, Idaho, uh, Nebraska, shouldn't be a problem there, and Ohio. We mentioned Mike DeWine earlier. For whatever reason, he's very, very popular there. Even though I, I know a lot of people who complain about him constantly. But for whatever reason, he's going to win that very easily. Iowa, Kim Reynolds going to cruise to victory there. Wyoming, no problem. South Carolina as well. Then over uh, to Vermont. Again, a state you'd think, that's a, wait a minute, that's a super blue state. How is that? It's a Republican state by a mile, actually. New Hampshire as well. Not going to be a problem in the likely category. Uh, South Dakota for the Republicans. Two more that were com- competitive for a while in this one. Gives me utter satisfaction to put on the board. Oh, I'm going to love doing this. Are you ready for it? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. There it is. Beto O'Rourke sucks, and he will lose to Greg Abbott. And this one as well, big one. And this is going to be, to me, low-key, one of the most fascinating races to watch on election night. Not because it's going to be up in the air of who's going to win, but what is the margin? The margin of this race might tell the story for the 2024 election, and it is Ron DeSantis. I mean, Charlie Crist is absolutely horrible. But Ron DeSantis, obviously kind of a big rising star in the Republican Party. Will he run for president? I think he probably should if he wants to be president at any time in his life. If you wait, everyone gets bored of you and they move on. So I just don't think waiting is a good option for Ron DeSantis. And, And I will say this. If you don't think that you can beat another candidate for the presidency of the United States, maybe you shouldn't be president of the United States. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be. You should step up and run if you think you're the best person for the job and then made the best man, man win. That's how these things are supposed to work. Anyway, uh, that's, uh, let's see, likely Republicans, 14. A lot of likely Republicans there. Now, we've got a bunch in the middle. And I will say, I agonized, went back and forth a bunch of times on some of these Senate races, three or four races, back and forth, back and forth. I heard myself in giving arguments for both sides in a lot of those races. The governor races... They're much more difficult, honestly. I, 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 there's a ton that I could have put in either side. 
And I went back and forth on a bunch of them. Now, if you jo- just joining us, you may have missed the beginning. We said, we're going to push all of our toss-ups. I could put a bunch of these races in the toss-up, call it a day and say, hey, look how smart I am. Those races were close. We're going to give it a whirl anyway, even though there's nothing really there to tell you exact specifics. We're just going to do our best. We're going to put these uh, out of the toss-up category. And we're going to start right here with Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was supposed to be a pretty close race. Uh, the candidate uh, there, Doug Mastriano, uh, not exactly in- embraced by the people in Pennsylvania. And that one is going to go to the Democratic side. Uh, now we will go to the other side here and give you Alaska. Alaska, again, the only reason I put Alaska in the lean category and not the sure thing category is because of the ranked choice voting system. That's there. It's new. We still don't know how it's going to play out exactly, but we do expect the Republican uh, to hold that particular race. Next up, Georgia. Kemp in Georgia. I mean, if you think it sounds really obvious now, but... Think about the road to this, uh, to the gubernatorial mansion or to, to continue there for Brian Kemp, a guy who was kind of opposed to Trump during uh, the whole aftermath of the election, said the election was not stolen. They got in a bunch of fights. He also, if you remember, got in a fight with Donald Trump before that because he opened up tattoo parlors and hairdressers uh, before Donald Trump wanted anyone to open them up. And they kind of got in an argument publicly about that. He held his ground on both of those things. The people of Georgia brought him through what was supposed to be a difficult primary by something like 40 points. And then he got the top number one challenger from the Democrats they could possibly imagine, Stacey Abrams, and seems to hold a pretty consistent lead in that race. And we have it as a likely Republican uh, seat. Next up is Oklahoma. Really tough one here. This one, we talked to uh, Governor Stitt this morning on the radio program. This is a tough race. I mean, you think Oklahoma, this has got to be a red state, right? Not so much. His opponent in the race, Hoffmeister, is a former Republican. She switched like a year ago or so. There's been a lot of back and forth. She's a former school superintendent. But to me, is that really the profile of someone who's going to win a race in Oklahoma this particular cycle? I'm going to say no. I'm going to put Oklahoma over here in the lean Republican category. Up next, we have... Maine. Maine is an interesting race. Uh, LePage is uh, a former governor of the state trying to make a comeback. They've got the ranked choice voting thing going on there, too. The polling has shown a pretty consistent lead, although it's narrowed a little bit. But we're going to give Maine to the Democrats this particular time around. Next up, we've got. Oh, man, I don't want to do this one yet. I can't give it to you. Let me give you this one. This one was really tough. A while ago, I've become more confident in it. We'll see what happens. You know, we talk about candidate quality. Carrie Lake has shown she's got high candidate quality. We're going to give Arizona over to the Republicans in a close in a close battle. Next up, uh, Nevada. Nevada has been razor, razor sharp. I mean, Nevada has maybe been the most pure toss up the entire election cycle, but they've broken a little bit towards Republicans. And we're going to give uh, Lombardo the win there in Nevada. For our predictions of the year here, this is one. I, this is going to hurt. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't. I don't want to do it to you. I got to do it though. I know. I hate it. I hate it more than you. Is there a thought that eventually I could sell some mugs off of this one? Yes, but that's not why I'm doing it. I hate this as much as you do, but I am going to give New York over to the Democrats. I, Lee Zeldin, I think, fought a really solid battle and did a good job. But man, that, that state is a, is a monster to come over for any Republican at this point. This, these aren't the Pataki days anymore. It's very, very difficult. I will adore being wrong about that one if I am, believe me. Uh, next up is uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We're going to give that to the Republicans. Again, another tight, tight race there, back and forth in the polls. 
tighter than the Senate race uh, is, is, uh, is that gubernatorial battle there. Um, I, honestly, like these are we're now at like pure toss up races in some of these. Um, that one is probably a toss up. I would leave it in the toss up category, but I'm not going to cop out on that one. Um, and this one is. Either we've got a northwest state or it's Minnesota and Minnesota. Very close, surprisingly close race in Minnesota. But for now, we are going to go and give this one to the Democrats in a very close battle. Up next, we've got oh, that one. That one's going to hurt too much. I don't want to do that one yet. Let's do this one. Uh, this one was one of the tightest races. And I, I honestly like with the polls, I'm going a little bit against the grain with this pick. But I just feel like I, I can't imagine this happening again. This, the, the candidates are both pretty boring, frankly. Uh, and I, I will I, I watched the debate recently to kind of get up to speed on these two candidates. They're both pretty boring, but the Republicans pretty well spoken, knows what he's talking about. Uh, and uh, we're gonna give Kansas, even though it's a Democratic incumbent, we're going to go against the grain here and give Kansas to the Republicans. I hate this one because I really want this one to happen again. It's like it's like New York. I really want it to happen. It's almost happening. I really want it to happen. But it's a three-way race. And these dang three-way races, this is really, really close. Right now, Oregon is a, I think it's 0.2% in the polls is the difference between these two candidates. Obviously, it's a bluish sort of state, but it's a Republican-leaning year, and and Republicans can win Oregon. Christine Drazen can absolutely win this race. It can happen. The problem is you still have a bunch of outlier votes for the third-party candidate, the independent candidate, Betsy Johnson. And often what happens is these third-party candidates, everyone sees them falling in the polls. I don't want to waste my vote. So they don't cast their vote this way. This is a former Democrat. So most of the people voting for Johnson were Democrats. And so I think at the end of the day, in a very close race, we're going to sadly see this one go to the Democrats. A couple more here to go. We've got uh, New Mexico. New Mexico is another weird one. Uh, The polling shows a moderate lead for Democrats. I went back and forth on this a couple times, but I do think the Democrats will hold it in a pretty close race. All these, I think, will be closer than they normally would be. And finally, last one here, we have, oh, this is the one. This is the one I went back and forth with on 100 times. I got to say, very difficult uh, to look at uh, Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon in Michigan and try to sort that race out. Polling shows uh, a slight lead for Gretchen Whitmer in most polls. Though, you know, a lot of that's focused on, if you look at the polling averages, you'll see a pretty decent lead for uh, Gretchen Whitmer. A lot of that, though, is based on a recent poll from the Detroit Free Press, I believe, that had uh, Whitmer up by 11. I think back to the COVID period. I think back to the anger that was against uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Um, There was a lot of it. uh, And uh, you think about Tudor Dixon being a really pretty good candidate. We had her on the air on the radio show. I encourage you to go back and Uh, listen to that uh, interview as well. But when you look at this race and you look at the profile of the state and you look at how polling has missed in this particular area of the country over and over and over again, I'm a little out on a limb. I honestly had this in the other category when I walked in the room. And every time I do this, I get it wrong. But I'm doing it anyway. I'm putting Tudor Dixon over here in the Republican category. Uh, I am on the fence on that one, but I'm doing it anyway because I want it to be true. No, there's more than that. I want it to, I do think that she actually has a really good chance there. And the performance, the job performance level for Gretchen Whitmer is terrible. So there we go. We got six in this category uh, up here for the uh, Democrats. And on the Republican side, we've got eight. So the totals here, not that it really matters, the exact totals, 30 for the Republicans, 
when we talk to the gubernatorial seats. And for the Democrats, mathematicians out there, how many states do we have? Subtraction. Yeah, that's right. 20 for the Democrats. This is big. I mean, if you go back and watch the Daniel Horowitz interview we did uh, a couple of days ago as he walked through what can really happen with Republicans getting control of uh, all three parts of the state government. A lot of really good things. So that's where we are right now. Gubernatorial race. We have 30 governors for Republicans, 20 for Democrats. The Senate was 53 47, in case you just joined us, we have Republican control of both. We're going to do the House coming up here in just a second. As a man who goes to Taco Bell uh, seven to ten times a week, but no more. Because that would be, dis- I mean, it'd be disgusting if, if I went anymore. I know the value of being able to get good nutrition uh, in a quick manner. I, uh, I'm not the type of guy who's going to sit down and take a bunch of vegetables or fruit and, and just enjoy myself. I just don't, I don't eat that way. I, I know it's terrible. That's why I love tart cherry gummies. Now, tart cherry gummies, I've told you about them before. They're from the makers of Super Beats Heart Chews. And these things taste great. And you don't have to eat an entire bushel of cherries to get uh, all the benefits, uh, reducing inflammation from exercise, uh, whether it's your metabolic health you're worried about, whatever it is, you're gonna love these things. Uh, they, uh, they have, uh, they've, they've got the whole tart cherry extract thing that's up to 40 times more concentrated than uh, the other uh, competitors. All right, all I know is they taste really good and I'm getting like 16 ounces of tart cherry juice uh, or 100 cherries in like a couple of seconds. They don't add sugar to your diet. They're vegan, non-GMO. If you care about that stuff, whatever. They're formulated by a team of scientists led by a Nobel Prize winning doctor. Tart Cherry has been clinically studied to support metabolic health. Check it out. They come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so there's no risk here. You can try them risk-free for 90 days. Make sure you have enough time to see the benefits. If you don't love them, send them back. No questions asked, but you're going to love them. Right now, you can get 35% off at Tart Cherry Gummies. Uh, from Tart Cherry Gummies, uh, from uh, plus you get, I guess you get the free shipping too. Is that going on still? Yeah, it is. It's still going on. MyTartCherry.com slash stew. MyTartCherry.com slash stew. This is our best offer, offer available anywhere. MyTartCherry.com slash stew for 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. On to the house and our election preview coverage. Remember? We're going to do the election night coverage tomorrow on Blaze TV, afterward on the YouTube channel at Studios America. But we're going to go into the House a little bit here. And, you know, we're not going to get into the, we don't have time to get into 435 individual races, obviously. Um, we're, we, for granular sort of detail, we have a lot of this planned for election night coverage. I, I submitted a batch of elections to watch in the House that will kind of give us a sense as to where this is all going to go. But today we're just going to kind of focus on the top line here as we get toward the end of the show and look at where we think the House is going to land. How many seats are there going to be? So let's start with the likely uh, Democratic seats. First of all, what's the balance of the House right now? 220 Democrats as they control the House. 212 uh, Republicans. That uh, is three. There's three still un- unoccupied. Those should be filled hopefully on election night. So here we go. We're going to start off with the likely Democratic seats. 100 and 65, 165. Now, 165 does not mean that's where we think we're going to end. Those are just the likely seats. Um, And that's basically the absolute minimum we can kind of picture uh, happening in this particular election. On the the Republican side, number is a little bit higher. Uh, Likely Republicans, it's going to be 191. So 
we got to figure out leaners. There's a bunch of toss-up races. I mean, you probably put uh, 20 or 30 toss-ups in the middle here, and we could play with them all day. But we're going to try to take a position on everything here uh, and, and move it along. And so we have, first of all, our likely Democrats. How many will wind up in the lean, excuse me, the lean Democratic column? And that number is 32, 32 for the uh, Democrats. Over to the Republican side, we've got some leaners as well. That number is 47. So 191 likely Republican, 47 lean Republican. On the Democratic side, 165 likely Democrat, 32 lean Democrat. Now, I always make I always make the mathematician joke that because I give you very easy math on the board. This one's a little bit more challenging anyway. But this is where we have this thing wound up right now for the Democrats. 197. 197 for the Democrats in the House and the Republicans on the other side. 200. And 38. Do you count this as a wave? Uh, I guess that's what, plus 26? Do you count that as a wave? I think it's on the borderline of a wave. I mean, I don't know. Some people say uh, you know, 30 or 40 needed to, to be a wave. Remember, though, it's a little bit weird to compare plus 30 to plus 60. I think 19, or 2010 was plus 63 seats for the Republicans. But they came from a much lower, ter- more terrible position. This is basically an even 50-50 House right now at 220 to 212. Uh, only a few seats separate the two parties. So to go all the way up to 238, 238 is one of the best numbers Republicans have had. It's not the best. I know some people ha- are going a little bit more aggressive on this, which I honestly could see happening. I don't think it's out of the question. I am pretty confident Republicans will be able to get control of the House. You've got to get one of the two. Please don't blow both of them. I beg of you. This is what I said before the Georgia uh, runoffs in 2020. Just don't blow both of them. Just get, just get one of them. You don't even have to get both. Just get one of them. And that didn't happen. Hopefully, that's not the case this time. The House, I think I'm pretty confident. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that they're going to get the House. Uh, a lot of the other experts are saying it's sort of a, an 80 to 20 type of situation. I don't know. I mean, I think I think that's uh, probably fair to leave some possibility for a surprise, of course. But this is where we have it. 238 Republicans, 197 Democrats. That's your control of the House of Representatives. You know, polls and predictions get a bad rap a lot of the time, and, and some of it's deserved. There have been some really bad polling misses over the past few years. But if you kind of sit back and think about what polling is actually, a, what it's actually capable of telling you, you can be a lot more comfortable with it. You know, if you think about it from a sports analogy perspective, um, you know, polling can't tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl. They can tell you who the playoff teams are, though, pretty well, almost all the time. If you see a race that's close, the polling is not going to be advanced enough to get to that granular level. You're going to tell you exactly who's going to win. And, of course, that's tough because that's what we want out of it. You know, we, you know, we want to know who's going to win by one point and who's going to lose by one point. And you can't trust polling for that type of thing. You can trust polling for, you know, for, uh, for general uh, broad strokes, but it's getting harder and harder to do. And we are now at the point where these pollsters are making phone calls and getting response rates at 0.4%. That's down by, like, well, more, well over half from just a few years ago. 
So do we know? I will say there's a lot of close races here. I do not feel, feel as certain about this race as I have about some previous ones. There's a lot in the middle that could go either way. I really hope a lot of my friends who, who are here at the Blaze and, and uh, across the conservative sort of media landscape are right, that this is going to be the, the type of wave it should be considering the performance of our president and, re- and performance of governors that are in blue states around the country and what they've done over the past couple of years. This should be easy. You can watch it all un- unravel or unfurl or hopefully uh, see a big win on tomorrow night's election coverage. It's at blazetv.com slash midterms. If you go there, use the code red wave. You get 30 bucks off. And then after the coverage ends, we're going over to the Studios America YouTube channel and continue coverage into the wee hours of the morning. It's going to be a big night. We'll have fun either way, I promise you. We'll see you there tomorrow night.